Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. Or at that time of the year, if you've got people on your shopping list and you're looking for a last-minute gift idea, can't go wrong with tickets to sports or concerts, and that's where GameTime comes in. And GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem the code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. a while since we recorded a new VanCast for you and a lot of ground to cover as uh, we come your way after a 3-1 Canucks loss to the Montreal Canadiens. Before that, it was a quick road trip to San Jose and Vegas and you know how that went as well. Drancer, we're back at it and a lot of ground to cover here. Uh, and We probably work in reverse, although it all amounts to a three-game losing streak for the last five for the Vancouver Canucks. They say tis the season, but it just doesn't feel all that holly and jolly around the Vancouver Canucks these days. No, you know, it was a memorable day for the Canucks before they lost to Montreal. And then, you know, fire bending and fire green hashtags trended nationally on Twitter as a result of fans sort of launching their dueling campaigns. And I think that's just a sign of sort of where this market's at and how familiar I think this feels. And, and it doesn't feel familiar to me. I mean, I'm still acclimatizing again to the climate up here. Uh, you know, I've just gotten used to the rain, but I'm not quite used to the sky falling yet. And, you know, I kind of look at this as a three-game losing streak, but I think the pitter, the patter, the rhythm of it, the extent to which they were pulverized by that Vegas fourth line, I mean, there's been a element to which this has been perhaps more dispiriting than perhaps I recognize and I think you have to have been here and been through it um, to sort of really have that sense. See you come to the rink these days with that cool slicker of yours you can buy a coat that prepares you for the rain that falls when the sky you can't go to a local retailer and like help me out can I get something that will prevent me or protect me when the sky starts to fall. So, uh, you know, if somebody's got something there, maybe you want to send it along. Uh, there could be some sort of sponsorship in place here for the VanCast. But, no, I, I think you're bang on. And as a guy who's been on the ground and on the front line the last bunch of years, I think what really triggered the market was the loss in Vegas, even though they were up against it, less than 24 hours between face-offs in San Jose and Las Vegas and some travel in there, and Vegas had had the day off before. Like, I mean, it was set up for a Canuck loss, but it was the way they lost. It was how badly they were outplayed in the second period. Vegas's speed just kept coming at the Canucks in waves. They had no answer. 
and it felt so eerily familiar to so many games in the second half of last season. And this year's supposed to be different, right? I mean, the organization announced its plans with the JT Miller trade at the draft and then the free agency and, you know, the arrival of Quinn Hughes late last season gave everybody a taste and he's been off the charts good, but he was supposed to make things better and different. And yet, as they approach Christmas, we record this with three games to go now and three really difficult games against three top 12 teams in the National Hockey League, starting with the team that skated circles around them the other day. Like, it is tough right now to sort of see a way out. And you hate to be all doomsday-ish even before Christmas, but, you know, I think a lot of people recognize that this is such a critical point in the schedule for the Vancouver Canucks. And let's be honest, I mean, with what's ahead, Montreal looked like, quote-unquote, one of the winnable games, and so did San Jose. And I think that's part of the frustration, too, that there are no easy games in the NHL, but there are tougher ones ahead. And... The Canucks fell flat on their face, and they didn't play terribly against Montreal. Like I'm not going to beat them up over the performance against the Montreal Canadiens, but answer they need wins, and so you just lump this on the pile of you know, yet another loss for the last five, and they're getting lapped in the standings right now. Yeah, there's no moral victories for this team, and and this is why, you know, some of the noise that's surrounded this team, especially over the last 24 hours. I mean, you know, we're already at the point where. Elliot Friedman sounds more like a guidance counselor on 650, right, than, than the newsbreaker that he is. I mean, there's, you know, a level of pressure on this team that, for, you know, from the ex, uh, externally looking in, that's just through the roof. And, and, you know, understandably, to some extent, because the season was supposed to be different and because it's been a long time since this club made the playoffs. And this should probably be a season where at least the club looks to take a step forward. Uh, obviously, they made moves with that intent in the offseason, signed, you know, <laughs> two big free agents, made a significant trade, and, and dealt a first to do it. Uh, you know, they're not spending to the cap because they've got a fair bit of dead money, but they are a cap team. And so, yeah, the expectations are high, you know. And that's why this is such a dangerous part of the season. I mean, you look at this game and, you know, the Canucks, I don't think, generated a ton. Like, this was not a standout offensive performance for them by any means. Certainly the power play was, frankly, abysmal. The first unit was just not good enough. Uh, you know, I think the ice was pretty bad. The, Hab the Canucks didn't complain about that. The Habs players all said that they knew the ice was bad and were able to game plan accordingly late in the game, especially in that six-on-five situation. So, you know, sort of something that's interesting to note. Like, if you're going to have this <laughs> electric team and your best players are skilled offensive players, like, you know, having that in a, in a building where the ice gets a little soft when it rains, I mean, not ideal. But when you look at just overall the margins of this game, like that puck deflects off Jeff Petrie's visor and goes bar down, I didn't even know it went off Petrie's visor. PD sort of sees it, right? I, I, I had to go verify. But, yeah, the Miller breakaways, which he was very self-lacerating about, you know, those that power play sequence late where it's a bad change by Mott and Sutter and it essentially cost them two goals because Pearson also takes the penalty, the second penalty, you know, shortly thereafter. I mean, the margins are so fine, and that's sort of what's so tough for this organization right now. Like, the... They win tonight, and the conversation changes at least a little bit. Now it's going to be 48 more hours in the same tone that, you know, Monday and Tuesday sort of took, which was 
pretty uniformly negative, like negative in a very unique kind of way, right? There, there is a unique sort of Vancouverness to uh, this level of criticism, and and even the even the fire bending fire green hashtags, right? It's not like everyone's that mad at both of them. It's really that some people like Benning and are blaming Green, and some people like Green and are blaming Benning, but it's always, you know, whether it's Mike versus Jim or Mike versus Brian Burke or, you know, Mike versus Pat Quinn. I mean, on and on, all the way back, Burray versus Linden. Like, there's always these, this sort of drama and this diametric oppositional forces that surround this organization and just add this level of noise you know, amplify everything. And I kind of just think we're there and, and it's got to be frustrating because again, the margins between winning or losing that San Jose game or this game, even that Toronto game are, are not super vast. It's not like they're getting blown out except against Vegas. Right. But the one win that they've got in the last five Maybe. wasn't terribly impressive. And Jacob Marstrom was off the charts. Good. And they got a win. And, and that's why you know, right now it just feels like I don't care what the wins look like. They just need wins. Like if they play ugly, they get outplayed. Right now it's a bottom line business. And they've got to find a way to stabilize. And I think a lot of people thought at the very least two and two in these four home games before Christmas. I mean, 500 hockey's not going to get them where they want to go. But in the short term, two and two probably allows them to stay kind of with this pack. But if they go any less than two and two, you know, I, I pointed out on Twitter, going into the game in Vegas on Sunday, they had a chance to pull within a single point of the Golden Knights. Knights beat them. Knights beat Minnesota. The Canucks lose to Montreal. Vegas is now seven points up on Vancouver as we record this. Like, that's how quickly things can change. And so the danger for me is that the deficit in the chase for the playoffs, and again, it's crazy to even be thinking about, you know, playoff spots before Christmas, but... The deficit goes from four to six, six to eight. Like, it can get away from you in a real hurry if you don't keep up with the pack. And, you know, offense is an issue again. And it's so crazy to think that because, you know, I mean, what was it? I think seven of the first 14 games they scored five or more. And we were just blown away by, you know, this power play that was running rampant in the National Hockey League. And then you mentioned, you know, the first unit power play, uh, for whatever reason, it's just not there uh, I mean, Adam Goodett scores a, a lovely goal. Adam Goodett is tied with JT Miller since November the 1st. He's tied for second on this team in goal scoring, and he was a healthy scratch one night. Like, he's played one less game than everybody else because uh, they took him out of the lineup in the back-to-backs in uh, Winnipeg and Chicago. Uh, I mean, he's continuing to do his part in his role, but, you know, you talk about JT Miller. Like, he, he took ownership of his misses, and, and that's great. The guy that concerns me a little bit is Bo Horvat, and, and we have talked about, you know, just his overall lack of goal scoring, his five-on-five goal scoring, the fact that 16 games at Rogers Arena this season and he hasn't pulled the trigger once and didn't have a shot on goal against Montreal, uh, you know, he means too much to this organization as the captain and the second-line center, and they gave him sort of the security blankets of familiar faces in Antoine Roussel on one side and Brock Besser on the other, and still nothing. And, like, you hate to say, you know, they need more. He knows what he means to the organization, and now that they've got Beagle and Sutter and, you know, Gaudette playing that third-line center role and all these home games, like, they should be able to get favorable matchups for him, and still nothing. Well, and they loaded him up, and... For the most part, it looked like they were soft matching against, you know, the Pedersen line against the best Montreal line, which is the Philip Deneau line. So 
you know, I, I mean, look, no question. They need more out of Horvat. They need more out of a lot of guys, right? I, I certainly think this wasn't Tyler Myers' best game. Um, you know, definitely was not. The Sorry, part. let me stop. Did you say it wasn't his best game or his best week? <laughs> he's he's had a tough week, right? I, you know, no question. And, you know, the thing to remember with Myers, right, is he, he he's not a number one defenseman. No one's ever said that, right? Like the most optimistic sort of, hey, Myers is playing well, where, hey, you know, he's playing a top pair kind of role and um, is, you know, performing better than expected. But I don't think anyone ever was confused about what Myers is, right? A three or four on a good day, right? Like, but, you know, right now he's leading the team in even strength ice time by like a minute per game uh, over the past stretch. And look, like, if you're a, when you get slotted too high, like you get exposed. Like that's, we've how many times have we seen that over the past four or five years, right? Um, but look, obviously he didn't play well. You know, the penalty kill hasn't been, like everything's just kind of falling off at the same time, and, and their five-on-five five game, which, you know, Travis Green would not give an inch to Ben Kuzma today uh, about, you know, has fallen off too, right? They're surrendering a lot of scoring chances. Like, the defensive game is actually the biggest problem that they've got uh, currently, and, and they actually were pretty good defensively five-on-five five against Montreal, just that the penalty kill's also not been very good. I mean, there's not a lot to write home about at the moment. And to top it all off, their most dynamic offensive players, like Brock Besser looks a little lost. Like his confidence looks so low compared to the guy we saw in, you know, October and, and November, even, even the first couple weeks of November. Uh, you know, Patterson, I mean, he had tons of good chances, but like, you know, post game in that scrum, uh, you know, I ask him about one chance and then I ask him about the second chance and, um, you know, is it frustrating? sort of caption it and he's like oh, I don't remember that one so I just move on to the next one that I remember right and I mean there's that many sort of just snake bit moments for Vancouver's most prolific offensive player and he's got 12 points in 16 games I mean there's nothing to sneeze at but even then like the shooting percentage is low like he's got to he's hit a ton of posts like he's got to feel pretty unlucky right now and um, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of fun being had Right, I would agree with that. And look, I've seen this, and this is selfish on my part, but hey, I'm part of, it's our podcast, but I'm part of this podcast, so damn it, I'm going to be selfish. Uh, the danger is, and, and I've lived through this the last bunch of years, is you know they get into this rut and the questions are all the same, and they don't have answers. If they had answers, they would change their fortunes and the outcome, but they don't have answers. And then the media becomes the enemy, and then it's just kind of a toxic environment. And that, as you said, like, you know, it's 48 hours until they get a chance to redeem themselves, but it's going to be the same storylines between now and then. And if it doesn't go well against Vegas, then you just add one more log on the fire. And, and it, I, like, I've lived through this. And so uh, I want to cover a good hockey team. I want to cover playoff hockey. And I had high expectations. Now, I will say from the outset, I always believed that this team was going to be better than last year and still fall short of the playoff bar. And I think that all of that can still happen. But I did truly believe that, you know, their season wouldn't sort of spiral in the week before Christmas. And that's the danger. That's where they are right now. They're sort of on this precipice of unless they can find a way to you know, come up with a, a way better effort than they showed on Sunday against Vegas, 
you know, they're going to be in tough, and then it's Pittsburgh, and then, look, they've lost twice to Edmonton already this year where McDavid and Dreisaitl have been, you know, the deciding factors as they've been on a lot of Oiler victories. But when we say, like, it's not getting any easier for the Vancouver Canucks as they move forward here. So they just have to find a way to stop the bleeding. And as you said, like, if it was one thing, you know, if it was just the penalty kill, you could probably tighten it up. But uh, it's five-on-five scoring at home too like people pay good money they want to be entertained they scored one goal against toronto they scored one goal against carolina they scored one goal against montreal i guess they scored two and had one overturned but at the end of the day you know one goal isn't going to get it done very often in fact it's amazing that one goal got it done against carolina but even to push that a little further you know Pedersen's goals three on three Godet's goals a power play goal in their last three home games, they have one five-on-five goal. So they do. Like, they have to – they just got to figure it out somehow. Yeah, and, you know, I do think there's a risk. Like, the holidays is such a tricky time anyway for an NHL team. You know, there are – you walk through the hallway post game, right, and you can see that everyone has family here. You know, like, there's the three days off, you know, at between those – the games – before Christmas and after Christmas, you get the holiday break. Thursday post game, the roster gets frozen, so all of a sudden, no one's worried about being sent down or traded. Like, you know, the it's the best day of the year for sports staff, by the way. Like the moment the the moment the roster freeze hits, right? It's just like, oh yes, I'm not going to get a call while grocery shopping and uh, have to cobble together a press release. So, you know, the look that's all coming, and and there's a lot of you know, I'm sure our listeners are feeling it too, right? Like I know. And look, we're, we're hockey reporters, so this is how life works for us to some extent anyway. But, like, I know everywhere I'll be within an hour through the 29th of December, right? Like, I, I can tell you exactly what I'll be eating, who I'll be with. Like, I might, you know, you get to this point in the holiday season where your life is scripted to, you know, within the minute. And hockey players live like that every day for the most part. But you throw in those extra obligations. Like, it's a distracting time of year. It's a tough time of year also to be like worried about you know going out and eating some oysters with the fam like it just sucks and uh, and you know you can sense it the the Canucks did take a while to open their room they were 90 seconds longer than the Montreal Canadiens usually the losing team opens faster to get it over with uh, so a little bit unusual as, as you noted and you know we exchanged sort of a quick look at each other while we were waiting in the hallway and and I you know sort of said well they they better all be there in the room and to their credit they were and and I thought probably the most interesting post-game comment was from Markstrom who you know almost did a Santa routine like he was like we can't get mad we can't pout we better not right like I don't know if he was checking his list twice but you know I thought it was probably the best quote that that uh, any Canuck offered because it felt the truest um, which is just that you know, it's not fun right now. Like, obviously, it's more fun when you're winning, but we kind of just have to stick together. We can't stop communicating and talking and just pout and be mad and be in the corner and pissed off. Like, we need to come together and work on this. And, you know, because it is everything all at once that sort of hit this rut, um, you know, there's there's only really one way out. And, and we've seen that this team can play a lot better than they have the last three games. And, you know, I, I'm not sure, though, that the game like this is, again, what's sort of what I keep coming back to is I'm not sure that the game they played against Montreal today was significantly different from a game they win in October. Like, obviously, the games that they where they got 
pulverized by the, by the Golden Knights are a little bit different. I didn't think they were that good against the Maple Leafs, even though they thought they played a good game. Um, but, you know, the, the, they would have found a power play goal. Like, they would have found a way to grind something out in, in October, and, and that's where you get to this point where the margins are thin and the stakes are huge, and it just doesn't help. Like, it doesn't help that there's all this external pressure and, you know, people are talking about soft skill and hard skill and, you know, management versus the coaching staff and Lord of the Flies references being dropped. I mean, it's wild out there. You know, Colin Radio's a sore right now, and fair enough, but also... It's a three-game losing streak. It's a team that's six games out of the playoffs. Like, it's not that dire yet that it's sort of – I mean, I guess I just can't square that is, wh- is where I come to. Like, I don't see a ton of reason for optimism necessarily, even sort of looking at the underlying numbers aside from the fact that Pedersen's not going to keep shooting 5% because he finds outrageous ways to challenge goaltenders every time he's on the ice. But I also don't get the – like timbre of this panic in this city like and maybe it's just that i've been gone too long but it just mystifies me jeff welcome back to vancouver (laughs) and i'm glad you mentioned soft skill and hard skill and we've been talking about these stiff challenges ahead of the vancouver canucks between now and christmas because talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves we say stuff like i lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like i had a long day at work or sorry honey I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. And getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Canucks to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Canucks for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Canucks. All right, look, we do this as we go. We've done the uh, bubblegum bet update. Uh, I feel sort of bad because uh, you're not even in the bet right now because Tim Schaller has been taken out of the lineup. I would a side bet. I'd bet you that he's back in in the game against Vegas because, uh, look, somebody had to come out. Sutter's back, Mott is back, and the penalty kill got crushed by the Golden Knights the other day with a couple of power play goals. Montreal goes two for two, absolutely swung the game in the Habs' favor with a couple of quick power play goals to start the third period. And we talked about, like, when they were healthy, who was going to come out of the lineup, and, you know, forget the bet, even though it's now enough games have passed that it swung back in my favor. But I stumped for Schaller then, right? I was like, well, they can't take penalty-killing ace Tim Schaller out of the lineup, uh, among my many bad takes if you listen back to that pod. But, you know, I was I was quite wrong on a number of matters. But, you know, uh, look, Tim Schaller is this team's best penalty killer by the underlying numbers by a fair bit. His team relative metrics indicate that he's one of the best shorthanded p- players in the NHL this season. And that matches what I'm seeing f- from the eye test. Um, you know, I think Tim Schaller would help. Uh, you know, it doesn't hurt you when you look at, you know, they had Mott back. Obviously, you have Beagle and Sutter, but you also have Pearson and Miller sort of playing some of those minutes. And, you know, I just think Tim Schaller's a specialist designed to do that role. And, you know, I think he was a big part of their power penalty-killing success earlier in the season. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he drew back in for that reason. Though, at the same time, you know, you look through – sort of the club's five-on-five performance, like, for the last 15 games, it's been such a one-line team. It's crazy, right? It's really been Lotto and everyone else kind of just 
holding, you know, occasionally you get a decent night out of, you know, a Roussel, Godet, Vertanen combination. But, you know, tonight at least they had multiple lines spending some time in the Montreal end and, and generating kind of some kind of flow and momentum. And, you know, I'm curious to see how cautious Travis is to mess with that, especially because it's been something that, you know, the team's been so thirsty for. And look, I mean, the issues go way above who's on the fourth line. But, you know, we were both pretty excited about the look of that fourth line when it was Schaller, Beagle, and Mott. Mott has missed so much time, but he's back now. And Schaller came out to make room for him. It just it seems to me that it would make a lot of sense to go back to those guys and give them another look at the very least. And do you think Beagle's right, though? Like, do you think he's all the way back? No, because he missed most of the second period or half of the second period uh, and at one point came out and looked like he was sort of testing something and he, he did play in the third period. He stayed in the hockey game, but uh, I'm with you there and I think that that's going to be an ongoing thing that they're going to have to monitor. I mean, he's left the game, you know, he left the team for a handful of games, came back, but, um, you know, I remember when we were in Washington, the reporters that have covered him for the first 10 years of his career said late in his time with the Capitals, you know, there was an ongoing sort of hip thing that he had been plagued by, and I wonder if he brought that to Vancouver with him. Because you're right, I, I'm not sure that uh, he's 100%, and now that Sutter's back, he certainly could play the middle on that fourth line. We've talked about the redundancy with Sutter and Beagle, but it does offer them a little protection, especially as Godet continues to grow, and it does now look like Godet is the third-line center on this hockey club. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, for me with Beagle, especially because, you know, from what we understand or, or think we understand, it certainly seems to be some kind of core issue. But the main thing I look for to, to sort of just not, not you know, I don't want to ascribe what a player is feeling without knowing it or, or having talked to him about it. But, you know, look, Jay Beagle was winning 70% of draws prior to the injury, almost, right? He was winning 60-plus percent on his offhand in, with a with a less with one less winger on the ice. I mean, it was ridiculous. You know, thirty eight percent against Montreal. I mean, that that to me speaks volumes. Um, you know, Brandon Sutter zero for four two. Uh, that also suggests to me that you know there are probably some lingering issues there. So, uh, and that's you know fair enough. I mean, you get to a point in the season where look, you're you're in till you're in and you're out till you're out. And while you're in, no one's going to use injuries as an excuse. And and while you're out, no team should be using injuries as an excuse. Like you build to you know, sustain it yourself through it, and good teams do. But, you know, Beagle and Sutter are in, clearly, and, and, you know, I think we can expect them to help, certainly on the PK and in a few other areas. But, I, you know, just looking at them and watching them play, it doesn't quite look like they had the jump they had in October, and, and that might just be something that the team has to deal with, um, you know, in sort of deploying them and and figuring out their plans and finding ways to grind out wins uh, going forward, at, le at least for a little bit. Um, you know, that's just how it looks to me anyway. Hey, since we last recorded, uh, Sven Berchi's name has obviously uh, made news again, his agent uh, sounding off, and the Canucks responded essentially saying, look, we're going to put your client on waivers and we'll show you that there just aren't going to be any takers around the National Hockey League. And sure enough, Sven Berchi clears waivers. He remains Canuck property, but uh, where does it, 
go from here and for a team right now that is struggling to generate at five on five, is there any chance, any way that Sven Berchi could surface with the Vancouver Canucks again? Well, I mean, look, I think he could help. You know, at the end of the day, I just, I think he could help. Like you have Jake Vertanen, Antoine Roussel, both in your top six on, you know, for, for a crucial game against the Habs. Like who really sort of sees them around? If you ask 31 teams around the league, do you rate Roussel or Vertanen as a top six forward? I don't think you'd get a yes from any one of 31 teams. So, you know, that said, I don't think you'd get it from about Sven Berchi necessarily either, because obviously the club has, uh, or the club is, you know, they made the power move of putting him on waivers and demonstrating to him that he was being treated fairly. And, and I think they're still doing their best to facilitate a better situation for everybody and, and on and on. But, you know, basically the scoring rates would indicate and, and the underlying numbers when Sven was up here, even though it looked to me like his shooting accuracy wasn't quite on, um, you know, certainly would suggest to me that he could be helpful in stemming some of what's afflicted this club at five on five and, and at least helping. Uh, whether that's even an option after what's transpired over the past 72 hours, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I suspect there's got to be a lot of sore feelings on on all sides, and and you know, fair enough. I mean, relationships deteriorate professionally, personally. I mean, you know, we all see it. So, in our day to day lives, and you know, I do think we're at a bridge where I'd be surprised if we saw Sven Berchi back. But you know, just from a pure like analytically looking at this hockey team, can Sven Berchi help? I mean. Again, I just look at what they trotted out in their top six and say, yeah, I mean, clearly they could use some more skill, soft or hard, in, in their lineup right now. You've done it again, but we're not going <laughs> to get back into another Roman read at this point. Uh, I just want to finish up here. We touched on it uh, the last podcast we did. Uh, the trip to Vegas has come and gone, though, and I posted pics on both Instagram and, and my Twitter account. And uh, as promised, I, I made my pil pilgrimage to Bruxy in Vegas uh, to pay tribute to Botch. And the chicken and waffles were insane. Like, they really are. And look, I have no stake in this. I'm not trying to drive business to Bruxy <laughs> because I, I have shares in the company. But you can't go wrong with chicken and waffles and man they do it upright so they were lined up out the door on Sunday there when I arrived just before noon I basically had my fill for brunch and uh, sat at a table for two with only one and uh, I'll admit it was tough it was emotional like I, I I wasn't sure kind of how I was gonna react how I would feel and as I stood in this line just to get in the front door like shed a few tears I'll admit that that uh, it really hit me and then sort of the realization as I sat there across from an empty chair, uh, it really kind of was driven home yet again. So I had lots of people that were down to see the Canuck game that checked it out and sent me pics, and I appreciate all of that. And again, like if you're going, it just kind of became our spot, and I would highly recommend it, not only for the meal, but it's just a place to go and remember Botch, and uh, hopefully you'll be on the next Vegas trip towards the end of the season. I think I will, and, you know, uh, obviously been thinking about Jason a lot with the Botchford project sort of continuing. We announced a, a fourth uh, fellow uh, today who I'm really excited to work with. He's been doing unbelievable work tracking AHL data. Announce him, please. Uh, Cody you're is the our guy man. Who announces, you're the guy who announces. Yeah, some of that role has fallen to me, yeah. even though, I mean, that's fine. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Cody's going to be with us on Thursday 
to see the Golden Knights and the Canucks and sit in the press box and get the uh, full day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we had fun with Natalie the last time around and uh, looking forward to her piece. I don't believe it's been posted yet, but uh, should be shortly and uh, looking forward to seeing what Cody can do and what he will do. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, three in with a fourth coming up. That'll be the final one before Christmas. But uh, the project is off and running, and I think it's kind of hit on all the notes that we hoped it would. Well, and and I would just have loved to see Botch's reaction to Harmon's television debut on the Sportsnet panel. I, I, for one, I mean, I don't have as much, not that Harmon and I aren't close, but I, I do think Botch had more invested in, in Harmon than, than I even have. And, you know, when Harmon was breaking down plays with, like, spotlighted video analysis, I'm like, Jeff, Jeff, come quick! And I dragged you over during intermission in the press box to come watch Harmon break down plays. And you, you saw a couple seconds of it, and you were like, yeah, they prearranged that, and he's captioning it. And I'm like, but it's not rookie stuff. This is hard. He's amazing. And uh, and um, you know, an old broadcast professional like yourself, you were you were significantly less impressed than I was. Not that you were less impressed, just that my excitement might have been a little over the top. Yeah, and look, I'm not I, I, I'm not here to downplay. I mean, this is a guy getting an opportunity to do a National Hockey League television it. broadcast. It's insane. Like the just the he's through the roof. He always is, but. Like yeah, I didn't even know what to make of it. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, and then you showed me like the little spotlight and like, man, like we, we, I was just so excited. I think I was just a little. It was like you know, it was like a, a Tim Schaller, Yannick Hansen give and go, right? Like I was just, I was just fist pumping and very, very stoked. What is Yannick Hansen doing these days? By the way, maybe you could haul him out of retirement and get him in the lineup, give them a little bit of jump. Uh, where it goes from here, I mean, that's obviously up to the hockey club. We will be here to document it, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. And, you know, just for the sake of the market, hopefully they can turn this thing back in the right direction and uh, stay in this playoff chase at the very least. I mean, that bar is ridiculously low if you think about, you know, wanting to play meaningful hockey in the month of March after missing the playoffs for four straight years. But that is sort of the stated goal, and it's just hanging there right now. So... Uh, They need something good to happen, but they're the ones that are ultimately going to have to go out there and make something good happen, and we'll see if they can do that uh, tough challenge coming up on Thursday against Vegas, then Pittsburgh, and then Edmonton for everybody scatters for a quick holiday break. That's going to do it for another VanCast for you. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. Uh, We'll have another one later in the week for Grants vs. J-Pat. Thanks so much for listening to the VanCast here on The Athletic and theathletic.com.